my son actually took dual credit courses at the community college. And that was my, uh, that was my first kind of experience with community colleges back around 2005 and six. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. On this episode of In the Know, I spoke with Judge Jim Cooksey, trustee from Moberly Area Community College in Missouri and chair of the ACCT Board of Directors. Jim has an interesting story and life experience, and I think you'll enjoy getting to know him. He was also instrumental in developing this year's Congress theme, Improving the Lives of Entire Families. Registration is now open, as is the call for presentations. I'll include a link in the description of this episode. All right, I am here at the 2022 National Legislative Summit with Judge Cooksey. Judge, first question, how did you get interested in community colleges? Well, Jacob, uh, I grew up, just as I had previously stated in an article, in the shadow of our community college back then it was a junior college uh my parents home and our home was within three blocks of walking Mm -hmm. and i went away to school and then i came back and my son actually took dual credit courses at the community college oh really yes and that was my uh, that was my first kind of experience with community colleges back around 2005 and six when he was taking dual credits and he was able to assemble 32 dual credits while in high school and therefore he was able to graduate from the community college in one year and that really started my interest in what the, the community college can offer the students themselves at the high school level and in order to expedite their education and so as 2009 came around, I was approached because there were a couple of re, uh, trustees retiring in 2010. Mm-hmm. And so they, I was asked if I would be interested in coming on board the board. And I said, yes, I would. Now, where I come from, we really don't hold elections. Our, our town is very, our taxing district is very small. It's only, this, it's only the city of Moberly. Okay. So when we just don't have elections very rarely, we just we have one this year for the first time in a long time because there's two spots and three people, myself and the vice chair, running some other individual filed. But so I myself and I'm now now vice chair uh, John Cochran, we both came on the board at the same time in in 2000 in 2010. So you do have uh, somewhat of a unique background. Um, that is uh, sort of forming your thinking about community colleges and how you're um, approaching your time as the board chair. How, what, what led you to become a judge? Well, what led me to become a judge was I was 28 years old and my predecessor passed away. And, uh, and it's at that point, uh, your, uh, my election is at the county level. Uh-huh. And I was, the, I was basically the only Republican attorney. Uh-huh. And our, my, our family CPA was well-connected within Governor Bond. He was a close friend of Governor Bond. Mm-hmm. And so they asked me if I'd be interested at 28, which is very <laughs> young. But back then, the roles of, of the position were, we had a senior judge and a junior judge. And okay. they were a lot less of an impact. You know, they were, they were minor, very minor things you would do as a magistrate and then became an associate circuit. You're, and uh, so they asked me, and I got a call from Governor Bond, and and honestly, that was in uh, in early 1984 okay. in March, and with the election, I had to run in November. Uh, there had only been one Republican elected in that circuit 
since Reconstruction. <laughs> and I'd only been married about, well, I got, I got married on September 4th in 83. So we, uh, my wife and I, we decided we'd just campaign as hard as we could and see what, the, and we were running against a prosecuting attorney, a gentleman who had been a really successful prosecuting attorney for several years, and he had given up that position a couple years before, but he saw his opportunity. And we campaigned very, very diligently, and we actually won 55-45. That's a pretty big spread. That's a, that's a, yes, sir. That's yeah. a big spread. And so we won, <laughs> and therefore we, I stayed on the bench almost 20 years, almost 20 years, and then I left the bench and went back to private practice. Okay. And so um, then, then I, in 2017, basically, uh, the, the judge that was there had retired and she was mandatorily retiring. Okay. So I was again approached about coming back on the bench and specifically to do more of the, 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 difficult, the difficult items. We're dealing uh, with more or less the juvenile docket. I, okay. I do some family law divorces, but mostly I do juvenile docket and, and a criminal, criminal docket, okay. adult criminal docket. So that's where I that's where I am now is on the juvenile. Uh, the docket's primarily the time consuming with with that, and I can get into that in a little later. So what do you what do you think is the biggest challenge with working with primarily juvenile individuals? The biggest, quite honestly, the biggest challenge is re, trying to reunify the children with their parents. Okay. It's ninety percent now, eighty five percent of my juveniles. It's not because of their conduct that they're in within the court system, sure. that they're under my care. And I say my care, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that, uh, that if they have a medical problem, a serious medical issue, I have to sign the orders. They want to travel, let's okay. say I sign the orders. I'm the one that looks at the grades. But it's the parents. Most of the parents of, of these have, have their, they have poverty issues. Sure. They don't have stable housing. Sure. They're living place to place. And I'm... A vast majority of those parents, it's drug addiction. Okay. That's, that's the struggle, is to really get the parents on the right path and then get them the employment so we can reunify, these, reunify their children with them. Because that's the first obligation of the court system in, in any state, I would imagine, is reunifying. Once a child is taken out of care, is to reunify the child uh, with, with their parent. And when we take a child out of care, we don't necessarily put them in foster home right away at all. We look for relative care. Sure. Maybe a sister, maybe a grandparent, if, if, if they're suitable, that type of thing, okay. and that type of family member. And we have a lot of aunts and uncles yeah. that are that. So when we say foster care, they're, not, they're under the care of the children's division, but a lot of times they're placed in relative care under the children's division supervision and my supervision. And I'd imagine because the, you know, like, like you say, you're a small town guy, how, I imagine you're interacting with these folks pretty regularly, you know, like in supermarket, right? So, I, you know, wherever. Yeah, I, I cover two counties, okay. and so uh, I'm in the two counties, but you're correct. I see, I, you know, honestly, they, they tend to know me more than I know them because uh -huh. I've got so many parents, but I, I have, I recognize, I have hearings, I have hearings daily sometimes but for sure weekly and i were mandated to have hearings on on a 30 60 120 day basis so 
it's it's a little different seeing them on Zoom now as in live. It's you you can say well it's the same, but I don't. You see their picture, but you don't get the full effect of them in being in 3D out in front of you. Yeah. But the basis of Zoom is is sometimes the ch children are placed in rel in relative care or foster care, and they're not within the area. So it was always difficult to have the family, the, whoever was providing the care, come drive to court for the hearings. Yeah. Well, now they can appear on Zoom, and we can check in on Zoom, and that's made it that's made it so much better. And and I won't go back to live hearings uh, for that for one of that reasons yeah. is we we have to have our contested hearings at the start by Supreme Court uh, cases because it's adjudications at the start in person because everyone has a right to confront their witnesses. But after that, it's strictly the review hearings. All of them are review hearings. We can do, we can do by, we, we actually, I say Zoom. The state of Missouri uses WebEx. I was talking to a trustee about that yesterday. He goes, what's WebEx? I said, it's, it's another company system. And, it's a, and they, the state of Missouri deemed it, it was probably a contract basis. But we, yeah. we started out with Zoom, but we've moved to WebEx. How has your experience, you know, working with uh, families shaped your goals and plans for your time as the chair of the ACCT Board of Directors? Well, I'm hoping it, it puts an emphasis on, on the families. I'm hoping it puts an emphasis on the single or dual parents mm -hmm. that we need to help them. I, and I think we're seeing hearing some of the messages to that effect. You yeah. know, I, I hear this week, if, if you listen to First Lady Dr. Biden, if you look, listen to Secretary of Education, everyone realizes it's it's not just the students but it's the families yeah. and when i talk about the foster children i you know so i'm looking at the family members of we're younger children how do we get them on track how can we help them with short-term credentials are are the pell grants and and then as the kid as the kids themselves get to be 17 and their juniors or seniors i'm putting an emphasize them that they should uh, be guided by their counselor and their foster parents. And I questioned these foster foster parents or relative care. I said, have you all talked to the school counselor? Have they explained where, you, where you're going to go to school? Missouri, we do have what's called A+. Uh, and it's, it is basically free tuition okay. if you qualify. You uh, Just real briefly, you, uh, you have to have a 90% attendance for your four years. You have to have a 2.75 grade average, and you okay. have to do 50 hours of community service. Okay. And almost every school now, if not every school, is an A-plus a school system. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure everyone, because there are certain qualifications. But that way, when, when that happens, uh, then those, those people. So I, and so, I mean, just because you're in relative care, foster care, doesn't mean you're not a good student sure. at all. And I don't want people to think that. They, uh, they're, again, predominantly, most of my, today I was asked, you know, how many of your students are, or how many of your, quote, children are, are you know, delinquents? You know, they don't go to school, they didn't yeah. want to go to school, they've been having problems. And I say maybe 15%. Uh -huh. 85% of these kids are in, are in care, but not what they've done, but because of what their, their, their parents have done. Mm -hmm. You know, but these kids also, you know, a lot of them have mental health needs. I was talking to Vernon Young. Yeah. And Vernon and I have had discussions, and I brought it up at the board meeting. And he gave a great uh, message to the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, the DEI in, um, mm -hmm. committee, the other day. And some of these, I, I've got, I've got, I always say lots. I've got several of these children with mental health needs. You know, their parents may have had mental health. These kids have mental health needs, mm -hmm. 
and uh, we're, so we're trying to trying to do that. So I've, I've told we kind of focus together on mental health needs, not only children but students. I mean, the students that I have in the state of Missouri, we keep children or keep kids through 20 years of age. We can keep them in care, okay. and we can provide that college. We can provide that college, that community college tuition for them and their keep. So. So it kind of all runs to, runs together here between community colleges and what I do. Yeah, I mean, we know that there's no there's no single type of person that attends community college. It's you know people from all walks of life, and I think it's easy. Well, maybe not for the people attending this conference, but it's easy for some people to think, oh, you know, like the, these are people who graduate high school and you know they have nice stable backgrounds. Why can't they get to class? But there's really, you know, there's all, all sorts of things going on behind the scenes for these families, these kids that, or, you know, or adults that, um, that I think, well, I, I'm excited that we're going to be talking about more this year. Um, so we have our annual Congress coming up. Um, and what you've just spoken about is uh, integral to the theme. Um, do you want to talk about that a bit? Well, they, they asked I me mean, to come up with a theme, and it's, it's hard to come up with a theme you want. And yeah. so I, I came up with a basic idea, and to ACCD's credit, uh, we put one together, improving the lives of entire families. Yep. So we're, not just we're just not concentrating again on, if you're, if you're just dealing with 17 and 18-year-olds, sure. the foster children, but we're also dealing with the parents. Mm -hmm. And community colleges can, as I've just explained how, can improve the lives of entire families. Because if you can, if you could get, and as the Secretary of Labor today, if you can get the, the, children, the, the family, the parents involved in the community colleges, if you can get them involved, then they're working and getting short-term credentials, trades, et cetera, or full, full degrees, then that's gonna improve their life. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Know. We're really looking forward to Congress in New York City this year. Registration is now open, as is the call for presentations. We hope to see you in the Big Apple this October.